Hello, this is Ben Payton, and you are listening to The Bill Podcast, brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, mcgoldrickwatchrepairs.com, and Misty Moon Events. For over 60 hours of exclusive The Bill-related content, including reunion highlights, cast and crew commentaries, reaction videos, pilgrimage location videos, off-the-beat bonus podcasts, and much more, join the investigation from £2.49 a month at patreon.com forward slash the build podcast guest today is a brilliant actor who played one of the most popular CID characters in the Bill's rich history and right now you can see him in action on stage at the Greenwich Theatre where he gives a beautiful performance. I know because I've been lucky enough to see it and I can highly recommend that you all do the same. Ladies and gents worldwide you have inundated me with requests and now I'm thrilled to say the words that Rod Skate is back. Make some noise for the magnificent Ian Fletcher. Ian welcome to the Bill podcast. Thank you. They're making some noise. Can you hear that? Yeah. They're, they're hooting their cars <laughs> up the street as we speak. <laughs> yeah, how are you? I'm very well indeed. And and likewise, I've heard lots of lovely things about you over the last few years. And so I was I was chuffed to have this opportunity to chat to you today, really. Well, thank you very much. I'm being brave. I, I'm, I'm very good friends with Greg. And... Uh, I said to Greg, yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll go on sometime, you know, as long as we can go on together. Oh. Because you know, we kind of bring the best out uh, of each other, I feel. And I was curious, and I've listened to a few. Oh. Russell and uh, uh, Carrie Pierce. We've done, done something with Carrie Pierce. Yeah, That's um, right. I mean, two of my colleagues, I used to share a dressing room with Russell after Martin Marquez, oh, who played cool. uh, Danny Pierce. Yeah. That's right. right. He was only there for a year, and I did my very first episode with him. I must sincerely compliment you on a very tender and truthful performance that you give in the play and in the wonderful programme. It, it describes Neville Talbot, who you play so beautifully, and you really captured the essence of the man as he's described in in the programme. So my huge compliments to you i i was sat on row c and you're opening you opened the play and i was like sat directly opposite you and it was just such a special i felt very lucky to be there especially after the last 18 months of lockdown and pandemic to be in a to be in a beautiful theater seeing a fantastic production sat right opposite one of my heroes was a, a special moment so thank you oliver i'm i'm really overwhelmed I honestly feel really overwhelmed. That's such a lovely thing to say. And I, thank you. Thank you. I, I really, I'm so, I'm really touched. I really feel very, very happy that you came. I had no idea. So um, that always helps because I do, you know, when people come in, you know, um, my partner came in on, um, on Tuesday and I felt nervous. I really did. I felt I was really sort of monitoring everything I was doing. And I didn't. Yeah, it means a lot. And I'll tell you why. It's because I, this is uh, I really love playing the role. The play means a lot to me because I was uh, offered the role over a year and a half ago. 
and because of you know obvious um, reasons you know the play then stalled so that was March uh, 20 and so I've stuck with it and been in close contact with Hugh who who wrote the play and we've had different creatives come and go for reasons you know because Covid and other commitments and things that couldn't you know because not everyone can be um, sort of committed to the one thing you know and other and different cast members had gone we did a we did a um uh, a zoom first read through on january the 7th just as i was feeling the symptoms of covid coming on oh whoa wow. like this meeting with you now you know we're going to have a zoom meeting and so i think oh, i better better get out of my tracksuit top <laughs> <the garment laughs> and stuff you know because i've been at home for a few days and uh, you know i'll have a shave and i'll make, put on a nice shirt make myself presentable as i have with you Oliver, I was putting on this aftershave uh, that my daughter gave me for Christmas and uh, put it on, looked at it, I thought, yeah, okay, looking all right, because I'm going to meet the cast for the first time and sit there and we all have our own single. And as I was walking down the stairs to the room where I'd set up my computer, I realised, hang on, I can't smell the aftershave. And um, I went back up and squirted a lot more in my hands and held it over like so and I just couldn't smell it I could I could sense the scorching of my nose hairs from the vapor but I couldn't smell a thing and I went downstairs and I thought right okay this is an obvious symptom and I'm feeling started and I started to feel throughout the reading of the play ropier and ropier and ropier but it was lovely because it was really intense and all the cast were so gracious and focused and tight in on the project and stuff because obviously everyone wants to make a good impression you want to do a good reading but it was a really lovely thing to do a couple of the cast members are not with us because they're doing different jobs but on the whole the cast was the cast that um that you saw so i've had covid and i was pretty ill for about two weeks as my partner was as well uh, but had come away from me for christmas we'd already arranged to have our Christmas together before Boris very kindly on the Saturday or Friday before said, um, well, you, 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 you can't, you can't all actually meet together now, you know, Bailey old boy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh wow. But uh, oh. it's a very emotional experience. And to have, I, I really hope that I sort of tip the box with the character because there's something that I've always, I've always wanted to play a character who's warm and kindly and benevolent, um, you know, and with heart and, you know, with a kind of honesty. And, I, and, and, and it's something that um, for me as well, I, I, this is still very much a, a bit of a, a tester for me, whether I still want to be an actor. Right. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Is... Uh, because I'm thinking of retraining as a therapist. And uh, I'd actually had a conversation with Greg, uh, Greg Donaldson. I'm trying to remember Proctor's first name. Tom. Tom. Yeah. And we had a lovely meeting and we really rekindled our friendship in the last um, year and a half or so. And uh, we've always been very close because when he came into the show, I actually did my first, he, I did an episode where he played a, um, a villain. In it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's and I remember, yeah. And he, and I remember making the choice. I don't think I should have done it when I was miming, putting my finger in a bit of cake and going mm, like that to remind him that when he came in, like a not a very bright burglar, he had a yeah. look in the fridge and he saw a 
cheesecake or something and he took a so there was fingerprints on it we do but when i in the interview scene with him we did that as me and carrie because carrie and i right. we we did um lots of episodes they really wrote for us and i really yeah. i'm so fond of carrie she was such a fantastic partner in that as were so many but particularly because it was i was really able to display my awful attitude towards wdc's and i had a real crush on carrie yeah well she spoke yeah. very fondly of you oh that's right yeah, I, I, I can quote i loved playing against his very solid character and in real life he's a really lovely adorable and gorgeous man oh well that's so, that's very kind. My goodness, I come up. I, I don't think I've had so much love directed towards me in such a short period of time in my life. You direct. <laughs> you deserve it, man. I mean, I read on your Mandy profile that you've always, in a very tough business, maintained the faith with acting. And to me, hmm. if you're looking for any, that was genuinely a really assured performance. You, you, for me, it's the only time I've ever seen. And I'm being genuine, an actor on stage give a performance that could translate to the screen at the same time. I mean, the, the, the performance I saw was being filmed and I yeah. had the benefit of yeah. of actually seeing the cameraman to my right. right. And, like, yeah. and it was working on both levels, which is, that's, that's an amazing skill. <laughs> Oliver, I'm going to have to take you around with me in places and go out and you come out and talk about me in such a way it's, it's so kind I, I really appreciate what you're saying i mean but the thing is the i don't know if i entirely agree with um filming plays but having said that i was very very lucky to have made the choice to go and see uh, a national theater filmed um production of the dark of dark blue world with helen mccrory now helen was at drama center with me and i so in my first year, she was a third year, and I just absolutely was in awe of her. And when you're a first year at Drama Centre, no, Drama Centre, I don't know, Drama Centre, um, Helen McCrory, John Sim was in my year. I mean, other actors who you know, of course, um, Tom Hardy, Michael Fassbender, um, Anastasia Hiller, uh, not, and Colin Firth, and Piers Brosnan, they're all Drama Centre, right? And I, when I heard that Helen had, passed away back in um i think it was march april mm. i was standing on um the platform at london bridge and it took my legs away i've, I've actually felt a wobble and i had to sit down and i felt very tearful about it i haven't seen helen for um many years the last time i saw her actually was when she was doing a play at the donmar warehouse and i was doing the bill okay. uh so that is well, 20 years ago, and she was, she, was, she was such a kind soul and such a wonderful, the real deal. Yeah. A, a, a would-be Judy Dench or Helen Mirren or, you know, a, she was beautiful in a very striking and soulful and, and painful way. Do you know what I mean? Something Absolutely. that... And so this, doing this role, uh, Neville Talbot, I felt that I want to try and give something back because I, it's been a long time for me to have done theatre and straightforward plays because the bill was a wonderful experience and it was a training that I didn't have at Drama Centre because we didn't have the facilities. And I, I would never want to see my early episodes, certainly within the first six months, 
where my before I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I remember very kindly Antonio Callaghan. He very kindly, after about maybe half a dozen of my episodes being aired, he said, Ian, do you want to come over to my place? We'll have a little chat about stuff because it's drama centered. And he said, I just want to, you know, is that all right? And I said, yeah, it's fine, you know. And he went over and we just, we, you know, we had a bottle of wine, what have you, and we listened to some music and just sat back, chewed the fat, you know, talked about things, talked about his time at Drama Centre, my time, you know, who we knew in common and stuff. And he just said to you, do you mind me saying, I just think your performance, you've got, you've, you've really got the makings of a great character in Rod's case, but he's a bit big. What you're doing is a bit for the stage. It's a little bit telegraphed. It's a bit, you know, just throw it away. Keep the intensity, but throw it away. And it was such... And I, again, I felt so grateful to him. Yeah. That for him to say to me that you've got, he's got this, that and the other characteristics, but just bring it down. Because I had no, I had no training, training until I was there, you know, apart from the screen test that I did with, um, on the same day as I did with a cat, an actor who played a character called Bostock. But we oh, were there. Oh, Brinkert. Oh, Brinkert, that's right. And um, the, the, the screen test that I did was with Mark Winger crazy that was crazy it was like me suddenly being on the set with dennis hopper yeah, yeah. you know what i mean it's, you know with the cameras man you know it's going to take me through as if i'm going to go through and meet kurtz you know take me through all the skulls hanging down and stuff because he was so bless him and i love mark i'm still to speak to mark but i really just this is a very long-winded thank you to you and my explanation and where i'm at in my life and what i want to do in my life and what it, and it's ironic during lockdown, I realised that um, I am an agnostic atheist, okay, or atheist, whatever, you know. I'm open to persuasion, but I don't believe, right? And I feel really comfortable with that. And I'll tell you why. It's because I watched a lot of Ricky Gervais being interviewed and Afterlife. And there are lots of people who don't get him and lots of people absolutely love him. And I've really grown to love him because I realised he has such humanity. And the stuff that he does with Carl Pilkington and, and of course, with uh, Stephen Merchant, it's grown-up stuff. It's really, he's a very clever man who really understands the question of life and death and humanity and kindness and that. And we don't need to have a, a big book to teach us to be kind, or if we don't, we're going to go somewhere we don't want to go. That's what I believe. And also watching um, uh, Richard Dawkins and stuff and all of that. Yeah. And, during, and, and I think a lot of people did during lockdown really had to simplify their way of life and really think about and maybe read more or read again and revisit and so watching film this I've watched so much film and then just before doing setting out big things I stopped drinking uh, I don't drink uh, anymore I stopped back in in May and I remember going back and losing dear Kevin Lloyd and seeing being really close quarters to somebody who had who was ill you know yeah. and those things and and a lot of things changed for me and also I, I i i just thought i need to be really clear with this i need to be really clear again and really able to remember the lines and remember them well and remember them enough and i just watched a couple it was dear um ray ashcroft right who i spoke to a few weeks he's work he's writing the first world war play right that's right that's right yeah, and um, I don't know if he can make it down. It's a long way to come, and, you know, he's old and frail, man. No, I'm joking, but, you know, I was, <laughs> if he doesn't make it down, I'm going to hold against him. I just won't ever see him again in my life. No, but... Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but he, he said to me, 
have you seen Bill Nye? He said, have you seen his interviews where he is very, very open and very, very straightforward about acting? And Bill Nye talks about how when he's been sitting with actors in the past and companies and green rooms and stuff, and they were talking about their own method, he's thinking, I don't really have a method. <laughs> and, you know, and then he, he said he was, you know, I'm, 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 you know, you should just watch the Bill Nye um, interviews, but it's so kind, it's so kindly, it's so open and real about the craft and what it's about and your own personal method. And he said, if there's any note I could give to any actor, any young actor, is learn your lines as early as you can. And this myth that a lot of actors, young actors say, I don't like to learn my lines too early because it will set it in stone and then I can't change it. Said, well, you should be an actor if you can't change. Mm. And it's just, you don't want to do the work. And that's what I tried to do with this. And the thing about doing the build, that was a great training for short-term memory learning because you'd have three or four scripts on a go any one time you might be leading one episode and then a, a major character major supporting role in two and then a couple of scenes here and there where you come in and say somebody in the front office to see you sarge or whatever you know the worst of that fact but when you're taking on a play quite a bit of dialogue which is easier to learn when you're not having to speak with too much with other people because you're not waiting for queue lines and all that sort of thing i just thought i don't want to drink anymore i really want to sort of approach this and be you know because I want to look after myself and be and find that kind of wisdom with it. And that's really thanks to my experience being um, uh, talking to other actors. Mark Wiggins was so kind to me in, in my time. Yeah. And Greg and, um, and Simon Rouse, who um, you know, I, I, I think is coming to see the play. But I'm so I'm still really uh, absolutely chuffed that you came to see the play. Where, where, where are you in the world? Uh, Newmarket, new yeah. So yeah, it was like you came down from Newmarket. So you came down the M11. That's right. Yeah, and got, got the got the tube from Epping. Uh, oh, right. okay. so you parked Epping. there and got the tube in and um... Epping, yeah, Billy Murray country. Oh yeah, indeed. <laughs> yes, Billy Murray country. Billy's in Epping. You know, yeah. see how I'm managing to get all of. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm managing to name all, check everybody. All the legends. In this, well, yeah. what I remember is, oh, Andrew McIntosh sends his very best to you. Um, oh, I love Andrew. Yeah, he's he, cool. he, yeah. He's, he spoke very, very highly of you indeed, uh, as well as everyone has, you know. Um, Andy, Matt, the last time I actually worked with Andy, uh, we did a John Colshaw episode. That's right. I never saw it, you know, and it's probably, probably I don't want to see it. I asked Andy about that. He said, all I remember is laughing and laughing and laughing with Ian Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, we've lost a few dear, dear hearts from that cast. Colin, Ben Roberts, who was very close to, um, uh, to Ray. Mm. And, uh, and, of course, Kevin, way back, 97, I can't believe, 1997. I mean, he, the, the funny thing is, Kevin, like, I remember when I was um, at drama school and you're looking at what scenes to be doing for an exercise or what have you, and we'd look at... Um, there was one particular play, the Faber the, um, the Faber and Faber, I think it was, publication of What the Butler Saw, Joe, Joe Orton, right? And on the back, and as they always do with, the, with play scripts, they always put in the, the first cast where, and where it's performed, the date that it's performed, okay? And this cast had Kevin Lloyd in it. And on the back cover is Kevin Lloyd naked <laughs> with a policeman 
I, or no, he's he doesn't have a policeman because I'm just thinking of that iconic picture of the football match with the policeman with the guy naked, <laughs> the long hair and a beard, and the the cops got <laughs> helmet over his head. And um, but this one, he's actually on stage naked with a, holding a policeman's helmet over his wow his wow. private parts and private parts. Anyway, but so there were his private parts. And uh, the irony, I just remember that when I met him, and because we spent so many hours sitting in. in cop cars you know talking just talking and talking and talking he talked about the royal court theater and national theater and working with pete postlethwaite i mean these people you know simon rouse again you know i taught you know simon had done um sweet bird of youth at the national theater with lauren mccall and these guys you know that was the thing that was what was such a privilege such a treat going into that into the bills i was working with guys who had been doing loads of quality theater and, and simon and kevin and sean scott you know, they had such kind of gravitas and they were the real deal. And they, I learned so much from those guys. And Simon and I, we had such a laugh. And we, from a very, probably within the year of me working, we became very good friends and went on a couple of crazy adventures together. We went to Ireland, went to Cork and just long weekends and things. And uh, we'd go go to Twickenham because he lives in Twickenham and we'd go and see a bit of rugby and stuff you know and just that's what was lovely about it is I did three years at fantastic drama school then a good couple of years learning at, at the bill and then really starting to relax into it and then I went off to Australia and did a play with Britt Eklund in in Brisbane and uh it was uh and I'm going to see her I spoke to her the other day actually she's she's doing a play which will be down in Brighton it's a little tour I'm going to go down and see her. And she's she's now um, in contact with my partner, who's Swedish. And I hadn't spoken to Brit for about 10 years, actually. No, not that long, probably about seven years. And uh, because I, I did Mamma Mia in, in the West End for two years, as Stephen Beckett yeah. is doing it currently. I played Sam, the Piers Brosnan role. Nice. And everyone said, well, it's just on the, it was obvious from who you play. But, um, <laughs> but... I was going to say, Britt, yeah, she came to see it. She came to see Mama because she knows those guys. She knows Benny and Bjorn and, you know, because Sweden only has about 50 people. Yeah. You know, was, <laughs> no, but some, I contacted her and said, God, help me, Britt. I'm, I'm dating this mad Swede. I need some advice. I spoke to her the other day and I, because she, I just saw that she did, she went to the Bond premiere. Have you seen the Bond film? I have. Have you? Yeah. Actually, Mark Kermo, um, hit the nail on the head. He said it was the first Bond film that he saw that really had a sense of dread. Yes. Throughout. It had yeah. that real ominous thing that actually took it back to, well, not the first. I mean, a certain film, maybe the Connery and the George Lazenby, you know, they had a they had a kind of a feeling of something creeping up on you all the way through it, not just something that, you know, and I love Roger Moore. And that's one of the things I really regret, actually is a Brit actually invited me to go to the Yvonne Arnaud Theatre about five years ago. I think it was about the time that I contacted her saying I've just met Ava. She said, I'm going to go to an audience with Roger Moore at, in Guildford. Would you like to come? And I just, I felt a bit, I just thought, you're going to meet him, aren't you? And I just thought, I don't know if I could meet, I don't know if I would feel confident. You know, I wasn't working at, at that point and I didn't really feel that I'd have that much to say. Oh, that, you know, I'd be suddenly, sta I'm standing there, Britt Eklund, you know, this icon, let alone meeting Roger Moore. I mean, I, I wish I had because, you know, what? Yeah. You know, anyway, he, and I've since recently learned he was a massive Bill fan. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he he met well because Graham Cole did, used to do a bit of extra work on the movies, and he saw him at a charity do many years later while the bill was still on. And he asked Graham, "Look, do you think you can get me a part?" And uh, oh no, really? Gra- yeah, Graham like was like, "Well, what what would you what would what would he have played?" Uh, and he and he and he he didn't he didn't he didn't mention it i'm like that would how awesome it would wouldn't that have been? been it wouldn't have been that well it would have been crazy it wouldn't have been that i mean we had leslie phillips to an episode yeah. I did a lovely episode that i i didn't actually work with him but i was very proud to be in an episode that Lev, leslie phillips was in you know ding oh, yeah. dong ding dong yeah. and I, I my episode was me getting information from a gangster's mole played by carol Royal. what makes me laugh is that we're kind of getting it together right and i'm sort of overstepping my you know and then she she says I, I go and get a drink, you know, while she's swooning on the bed. And I and I was thinking, who goes and gets a bottle of whiskey before getting down <laughs> around about two o'clock in the afternoon? You know, well, Rod Skase would, clearly. But, and then when I went into the bedroom, she was fast asleep, Kelsey. But, um, you know, because we were drinking whiskey. I know, it's a good idea. Let's have some whiskey on, you know, if you want to, um, you know, have a... Have a, um, a lia- liaison with this beautiful gangster's mom, but um, yeah, drink some whiskey. <laughs> really good advice. You know, maybe just uh, a light ale. No, um, <laughs> but what was I talking about? I don't know. Ask me something. Well, well, you you were sa- you were saying how uh, you know you were learning from the likes of Simon and, and Sean and Ray, and like right now in Into Battle, you've got a fantastic young cast around you. With you know. Uh, and some of whom are making their professional debut, which like is fantastic, and they're all so talented. But I wonder if is that that must have been great, especially after the last eighteen months. You to be part of a company again, uh, but also to be with people who are just starting out, and they, I guess, and I would hope, look up to you and 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 see all your experience that they can draw on. Yeah. And... On the first day, five weeks ago thereabouts on the on the 7th of september because i've met a few of them you know doing the um the zoom back in january i already felt kind of connected with them because and it was great that i knew that all of these guys have sort of were still involved in it and so we all had this kind of vested interest and because it's a new new writing Mm. and the production in all honesty hasn't been without its ups and downs and conflicts here and there but you know through conflict creates good stuff it being a new you know a new piece no one's ever played these roles before and it's a decent story i felt really comfortable and really safe leading up to this i've been thinking do i really this is going to be a real kind of test to see if i want to do this anymore and those guys and and molly and anna you know so joe and nick and Alex and um, Gabriel, Molly, Anna, and Ellie, our lovely director. There's been nothing but kindness and really lovely, positive enthusiasm. Without any of that kind of shoulder swinging, sort of macho kind of cynicism, and oh, it's all nice, it's all too much, well, that kind of thing. It's a different world now because I haven't been on stage for, uh, well, I, I did a, I did a, Rehearse reading, which was lovely at the other palace in Victoria, a Norwegian um, production, sort of musical play, not a musical, but a play with music song. 
And I did that, and that was lovely to do. But I ain't really looking for it. I'm not really that ambitious as an actor, I don't think. But I love doing it, and there are certain scenes in that which I just become have become so easy, and I feel very confirmed with it, or something, or firm with it, or something. It doesn't feel. I still feel a bit nervous before going on stage doing it, and and Wednesday I did. So I'm glad that maybe I ticked boxes because I was thinking I'm not enjoying these these mics around my ears and stuff, you know, because I had to keep putting it on my ear. I don't know if you noticed, but you know. But it reminded me, actually, of Bill Nye saying, you know, know your lines and also don't, you know, you can go on scratching your nose. And so he used to sort of stand and get himself to attention and get ready yeah. to walk on. And Judy Dench said to him, just walk on stage, you know, scratch your ear if you want to or cough or adjust your trousers or whatever you it is. You did a little something with your thumb, I noticed. Well, I tell you what, it's because my 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 cousin was in. I should I'll have to tell now you've noticed it, I have to tell you. He, we, just before, we were in the, we had a little bit of dinner before he came in, uh, before the play. I said to him, I'm a bit nervous about doing this in front of you. And he said, oh, don't, come on, how, how are you going to loosen up? I said, no, no, no. He said, come on, let's play Thumb Wars. You know Thumb Wars? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four, I declare Thumb War. Bow. You have to bow. That's why I taught my children. Otherwise, it's invalid. Right, okay. And he said, well, you've got big thumbs. You've got long thumbs. And he really got his other thumb involved and crushed my thumb down. I said, how are we doing? Really hurt my thumb, Charlie. I need that for a particular scene. And that, at the end of the scene, I did something like that, didn't I? Just And that was me just at the end, just to maybe, I've got a, you noticed it. I don't know if he noticed it, I have to see, because he's he's, he's gone, obviously. He's not with me all the time. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Hello, this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. With special thanks to Ian Fletcher. Co-produced by Ben Adams, Sarah Kuyper, Malcolm McLeod, Alex Mockler, Laura Pinifay, and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Ben Ashmore, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Dan Evans, George Fairbrother, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ladane, Simon McGoldrick, Lucy McNeil, Gary Moncur, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Patrick Stratford, Michael Weil and Sarah Went. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, McGoldrickWatchRepairs.com and Misty Moon Events. For over 60 hours of exclusive The Bill-related content, including reunion highlights, reaction videos, cast and crew commentaries, Bill Grimmage location videos, off-the-beat bonus podcasts, and much more, join the investigation from £2.49 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Bill Podcast. <laughs>